Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Bishop Wall says it this way, and then he'll read something out of one of his books. Well, this is Brother Wall's daughter, and uh, she has two children, David and Whitney, and Whitney is married to Brother Gothra, and her pride and joy is Miss Ruby, which is her baby. This is her baby. This is Sister Gill's center of her joy right there. Isn't she gorgeous? <laughs> Sister Gill sees it like it's just all over again. It makes a difference on the big screen, don't it? Now you want to picture that big for your wall. <laughs> Sister Gill is an awesome lady. I have had the privilege and the opportunity to hear her speak before. She has ministered to me personally, and I can tell you that if I could take one word and say, if you could describe Sister Gill in one word, how would you describe her? And I would say classy. This is one of the most classiest ladies you will ever meet in your life. She is kind. She is humble. She is just down to earth and so sweet. And if you could take the combination of humble and classy, that's Sister Gill. She is everybody's friend. Um, I got an opportunity to work with her in a class at conference, and I just, I love this lady. She, she's got her father smarts, I tell you that, and she is just, she's amazing. I love her very much. Um, God had put her on my heart now for quite some time ago to come speak to us. Um, I tried, I talked to her back at general conference in June about coming, and uh, I was like, what about this month? And let me tell you, like Pastor and I, they're busy people, so this was the first opportunity that she had to come and be with us, and I'm so glad that she did, and I know God's been dealing with her. She has spoken to me about that, and I have no doubt God knows exactly what we need to hear tonight. So let's just lean in. Sister Gill, take your time. Take your liberty. We are in no rush, and uh, you can hold the mic, stand back, whatever you're comfortable with. Just be at home here. We just want you to feel welcome and feel at home because we're all down to earth here too, so ain't nothing going to throw us for a loop. I promise you that, and at the end, you do whatever you feel. If you want to do an altar call, if you want to have prayer, whatever you feel, it, it's all totally in your hands. So we thank you. Let's just give Sister Gill and the Lord a hand as they come tonight. something funny about that picture that was her first birthday and she is this is Ruby her name's Ruby Ellison sorry guys I feel like the queen of Sheba when she told Solomon the half was not told me you grandmas didn't tell the half seriously it is so awesome it's the best best thing other than the Holy Ghost it's the best thing my husband told me the other day he said you do know you have two kids of your own right it's like, but they're not near as beautiful, as talented, as, but anyway, this was her first birthday, and her mama is a, my daughter is all about DIY, she makes everything, and she had worked for months for this little girl's birthday party, she'd covered the whole side of her garage in these humongous paper flowers, it was beautiful, we, and Ruby is normally, she's a church baby, she gets handed around like all church babies do, 
and she's very personable. She likes everybody. They brought her out. It was just a beautiful day. We had a birthday party outside. They brought her out and set her in her high chair, gave her her cake. We started singing to her, and the child cried, laid her head down, and wailed. Tears poured. She hated every minute of her party. That is one of the only smiling pictures we got. <laughs> and then we thought, well, maybe it was a fluke. You know, she's just the center of attention. Maybe it made her nervous or something. So a couple weeks after that, we were in a restaurant, and they, the waitresses come out with a birthday thing for the table next to us. They started singing happy birthday. She did the same thing again. She hates the song, I guess. She laid her head over and wait. We had to take her out. I could tell you lots of Ruby stories. <laughs> Thank you all for letting me come here tonight. This is a beautiful group of ladies. I love ladies' meetings. I love ladies' meetings. And uh, it's an honor to be here. I love and highly esteem your leadership. So it, it's just a special treat to be here. And uh, they let my husband tag along, or I let him tag along. And uh, he is with your pastor. And I know he is enjoying himself immensely. I love Sister Dawn McGee. She is one of my absolute favorite people. She is vivacious. She's energetic. She's encouraging. She is just awesome to be around. As she already mentioned, she, was, she put it kindly when she said we taught a class together. It was, I, was, I had time to prepare. I had known for months about this class that I was going to do. She wasn't supposed to be a part of it. She didn't, so she didn't know anything about it other than that we were having it. And the other speakers, father passed away unexpectedly. And so the night before, I went to Sister McGee and I said, could you, and you know, I tried to phrase it like, oh, it's going to be a piece of cake. Could you, could you help? She said, sure. I said, well, I'll just kind of forward you some stuff. Sure, anything you want. She just, I mean, went with the flow. We got in there. You'd have thought she was the one that had studied for months, and I was the new one on the block. But she, she helped. She spoke words of wisdom into the, it was a, a class for ministers' wives, and she spoke words of wisdom, and I believe changed lives. And I love her and highly esteem her, and I appreciate her so much. She's already told you about myself, so we're going to get right into it. Um, I have a few topics that I regularly speak on, and um, <clears throat> I like to speak about happy things. So I talk a lot about prayer, talk about encouragement, knowing who we are in the kingdom of God, knowing our identity in Christ. But uh, tonight, I'm going to venture into a new territory for me. So y'all just hang on. We're going to go into this together. Uh, Sister McGee has graciously, I think that's the word, given me the uh, freedom to speak on any topic tonight. She uh, told me, asked me a few months ago to come, and when she first spoke to me, just within a few hours, this started going over in my mind. And just to be quite honest, I tried to get away from it because it's not a topic that's comfortable for me. And so as late as just a few days ago, I texted her, or I, actually I called, talked to her, and I said, do you have a topic? I'm thinking maybe she'll tell me, yes, I want you to speak on joy. She didn't. And so tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the challenge of the nighttime. The challenge of the nighttime. And um, when I say nighttime, I'm not talking about being just a little bit discouraged. We all get there. You stump your toe. It's been a bad day. You're just kind of, oh, it's Monday. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being bummed because something didn't go the way I thought it would. <clears throat> I'm not talking about getting sick and having to miss a party. 
being disappointed about it. I'm talking about a nighttime season, a season where you struggle, and it's going to get better, y'all, but we're going, to be, we're going to be a little bit dark here for a minute. A season where you struggle just to put one foot in front of the other. I love that song that they just sung. It's one of my favorite songs. Have you ever been in that place where the only prayer you could pray was Jesus? And it doesn't usually sound as pretty as what they sung it. When my prayers are Jesus, it's usually desperate cry. Have you ever been there? That's a nighttime season. That's a nighttime season. That season that makes you wonder sometimes, what did I do wrong? Why is this happening to me? That season of loss, maybe, where your head is spinning and, and you don't know where to turn. It's the challenge of the nighttime. That's what I want to talk to you about. Some of you may be in this season now. If so, we're going to help you tonight because you're not alone. You're not alone. If you're not there now, you will be someday. How's that for a, a pick-me-up? <laughs> That's not gloom and doom speaking, though. That's life. Life. We all experience a night season sooner or later. And how we deal with it determines our future. How we walk through that night season. How we come out of that season. Because how you come out of something determines how you enter into the next thing. So we may come out limping. I have before. We may come out wounded, but we can come out victorious. Any night season. So it's my desire tonight. I want to encourage you. I want to inform you. And then I want to inspire you. I'm going to encourage you. If you're in a nighttime season, you're going to get through this. And then I'm going to give you some information. We're going to talk about how you deal with this season. And then I'm going to remind you that when we know Christ... We know how things are going to go, always for our good and always for his glory. Put your hand on your heart and say, always for my good and always for his glory. Amen. There's a beautiful psalm, Psalm 30 and 5. I'm going to start it and you can finish it. The end of it says, weeping may endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Isn't that a beautiful promise? How many of you have said that? How many of you have held on to that before? I've held on to that promise many times in my life. You know, there aren't too many people I know of that would say I love the dark. Now, I like for it to be dark when I'm sleeping. But as far as just loving the dark, and I think it's because our mind plays tricks on us in the dark. <clears throat> I'm not one to rearrange furniture. Uh, I know some ladies rearrange the furniture every time they clean. I always thought that was so neat and so creative. I wanted to be like that. But I'm just one of those people that... We live in the church parsonage. We've lived there for 11 years. My couch is sitting right where they dropped it off when they put it there. And the thing is, it's been there for, it's a, it's a different couch. It's same spot. It's where the couch goes. <laughs> I know where it is. And you walk out of our bedroom into the living room along the back of the couch to get down the hall to the bathroom. I cannot tell you how many times I have stubbed my toe on that couch it's been there for 11 years but in the dark our perception gets thrown off sometimes our perception gets thrown off I hear noises in the dark that if I hear the same noise in the daytime I dismiss it when the dog barks during the the daytime I get irritated I think oh it's the UPS man oh it's a, I wish that dog quit barking at the trash man but when she barks at night I think hmm wonder if somebody's out there Nighttime, nighttime. When my kids were little and they'd get sick, their fever always got worse in the nighttime. 
They always got sicker at night, it seems. I've sat with sick family members or sick church people in the hospital, and the nights seem endless, endless. Storms seem worse when it's dark. Fear can become seemingly insurmountable in the dark. Have you ever thought, I'll be glad when it's morning? Oh, for the morning. Things, things loom larger in the dark, don't they? Our perception may be distorted in the dark. And then when the light shines, reality is restored. Joy comes in the morning. Morning means the first light of day. It may not be completely light. There may still be some shadows, but I see a light on the horizon. It's the promise of a new day that's dawning. My strength is renewed. My vision is restored. I square my shoulders back, and I think I can make it. All because it's morning. Oh, for the morning. Oh, for the morning. That word endure, when it says weeping may endure for a night, that word endure literally means to lodge, to dwell, or to abide. The psalmist is saying that weeping may lodge with us for a night. It may abide with us for a season. Have you ever been in one of those seasons where you thought, you know what, I've cried till I can't cry anymore. Surely there's nothing left up there, and here it comes again. Weeping may abide with us for a night, but then joy, that word joy here is re rendered a ringing cry in proclamation, praise, singing, rejoicing, gladness, triumph. Weeping may lodge with us. It may abide with us in this nighttime season, but joy, we're going to have triumph again in the morning. The morning is coming. And though I don't know a lot of you, there's very few of you that, that we've actually gotten a chance to get to know very well, but I feel pretty confident in saying that many of you have been through things that should have destroyed you, but you're still here. Some of you have probably suffered some great loss. Some of you have probably spent countless hours weeping and wondering why, but you're still here. You're still here. Some of you have faced circumstances that should have made you lose your ever-loving mind, but you're still here. You're still here. Thank the Lord for that. You know why? It's because you're strong, you're faithful, you're virtuous women of God. You are an overcomer. Even if you're in a nighttime season right now, I want to remind you, you are an overcomer, and you can learn to maintain your faith throughout the night and patiently wait for the morning. You've learned that your circumstances don't dictate your mindset. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. That doesn't dictate what goes on up here. You've learned that your circumstances have absolutely nothing to do with living a victorious life. It doesn't matter what I'm wading through. I'm living a victorious life. You've come to understand that while you are wading through problems, poor health, disgruntled co-workers, rebellious children, a wicked world, you fill in the blank, these things do not determine our outcome, and they do not determine our way of life. You've learned the secret of the peace that passes understanding. And we've learned to rely on him that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. You've learned to live an overcoming life, and it shows, ladies. It shows. Wouldn't it be nice if when we came to God and gave him our life, everything became a bed of roses? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be great as 
uh, Christians simply because we're Christians we never suffered hurt we never suffered loss we never suffered pain or ill health wouldn't that be nice wouldn't it be easier to live for God if we didn't have any struggles sure it would also be nice if chocolate was health food <laughs> it would be nice if calories didn't count but the Bible says ye are of God little children and have overcome them he promised his disciples a few things. One of the things he promised them was that they were going to have trials, that men were going to be hate, they were going to be hated of men. When we're in this world, we're, going, we're not of this world, but we are in this world, and it's a wicked world, and we're not beloved by everyone. We are going to have trials. We're going to have troubles. We're going to, just life will bring some of that. But we know who we trust. We know who we trust. Mm. Oh, for the morning. Now, night doesn't necessarily mean 12 hours. There are times that nighttime is a season. Perhaps we're dealing with a uh, health situation, and it goes on for quite a while. Or perhaps we're dealing, we're faced with the death of a, love, of a loved one, and we're left to deal with a great loss and a great sadness. That's not something you get over. You get through that. Those things aren't dealt with in a mere 12 hours. Night can be a metaphor for a season of time, but no matter the length, no matter the length of the season, no matter the length of the night, morning will dawn and joy will be restored. But there are some things that we can do in the meantime, and that's where we come to the informing part. Some things that we can do in the nighttime to help us hold on, waiting for the sunrise. And I've got four things I want to talk to you about tonight that we can do in the nighttime, in a night season. Have you ever known someone that refused to face reality? I think we all have. Everything's wonderful in their world. Them or their husbands never had a fight. I want to say, get over yourself. We were, in, we were in Bible college with a man. We went to one year of, of Bible college, and then my uh, husband, uh, he likes to say he got enough faith. So he left. My name's Faith. So he left. But uh, I know it's a bad joke. I always laugh, though, so he thinks it's funny, so he keeps telling it. The things we do for our husbands. But we left uh, one of the uh, other young men that was in the Bible college, got to listening to this um, faith healer speaker. Now, I am all about faith. I am all about speaking words of faith. But he believed that you could proclaim things. Um, well, let me give you an example. They, we were working at the church one day, and they needed an extension ladder. So this guy and another guy went in a pickup truck to go get this ladder. Well, they got there, got it, put it in the back, didn't have anything to hold it. We're in Memphis, Tennessee. Didn't have anything to hold it down. Didn't have any straps to hold it down with. So this guy that doesn't face reality decided he was going to sit on top of the ladder in the pickup while they're driving down the interstate in Memphis. He wasn't the smartest thing. But anyway, so you can imagine what happened. Gust of wind, something happened caught the ladder, got him and the ladder both out of the tree. He was tumbling down the highway. It was very dangerous. I mean, at high rate of speed, tumbling down the highway. Well, he was telling it later as though it was a great testimony. They finally got stopped, and he jumped up and raised his hand, and he said, that did not happen in Jesus' name. And I'm like, that's not how that works. That did just happen. That's why you're bleeding. Reality. Reality. <laughs> Acting like something didn't happen won't change it. It happened. The world doesn't want to see fake Christianity. And us being fake, us saying, oh, I never have problems. 
I'll never have a night season. I'll never face my issues is not, that's not overcoming. When your neighbor, your coworker, your lost loved one sees you hit head on with issues of life and watches you rise victoriously above it, that's when she finds hope for her own situation. Several years ago, I, I found myself in a, a season, a nighttime season, and it was uh, one of the struggles of my life. It was, it was more than a, just a daily struggle. It was, it was a devastating season that we were in, and I felt it, it lingered for, for a, quite a while. And I felt like I was just barely above water, keeping my head above water, and I didn't see an end in sight, and quite frankly, I was, I was losing hope. It was just one of, I'd done everything I knew to do, and um, <clears throat> during this time, I was at a service, and a minister came up to me, made a statement that changed my perspective. He said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. So if you're in the midst of a trial or a struggle today, keep walking. That's the only way you get through it. That's the only way we get to the other side. You keep moving forward. You keep moving forward. Brother and Sister Edmonds, uh, precious missionaries to Taiwan, were with us recently, and he shared his testimony with us, and it's just awesome. They're an incredible couple, and he said, I've never gotten anything from God that I didn't have to fight for. We expect sometimes God to just hand us stuff, and he says, ask. And then he goes further than that, and he says, seek. And then he says, knock. We're to continually, God, I need you. I need you. And sometimes we do that prayer of Jesus. It's a two-second prayer or a two-syllable prayer, and he answers, and everything's great. And then sometimes we have to seek his face. And then sometimes we have to relentlessly knock through our season until he answers. Victory comes at a price victory comes at a price. I want to give you four key elements in dealing with problems that come your way that will help you get through the night. Number one is proper identification. I told you about the little guy that didn't face reality. When we're faced with a problem or we're faced with a circumstance, I believe it's vital that the first thing we do is identify the situation because ignoring it won't make it go away. Wishing it weren't so won't fix it. We've got to properly identify the problem. You know, as women, if you're like me, and I think we're a lot alike, we wear many hats and we fill many roles. So there are times that we can be stretched beyond our abilities and our body becomes weary and worn down. My husband likes to say sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is go take a nap. You know, sometimes things come to us, and if we don't properly identify them, we can be praying, you know, I, I plead the blood of Jesus, and I bind this spirit, and I bind that spirit, and really we just need a nap, and we need better nutrition, and we need to take care of ourselves because we're tired. So we need to properly identify. Not everything is a battle from hell. Sometimes it's a cold that we've got. Sometimes we need to properly, you understand what I'm saying. We need to properly identify, but there are times that it's more than being run down. It's more than being spiritually or physically depleted. There are times that it is a spiritual battle, and we need to identify it. Sometimes whatever is happening to us 
it, or in us is an attack of the enemy and proper identification is the key it will go a long way to help us deal with it because spiritual problems have to be dealt with on a spiritual front I'll tell you a, a quick little testimony today um, we've been dealing with something uh, in our church for just a couple days now very serious very serious uh, matter and uh, we've sought wisdom sought counsel prayed about it we've just done everything that we knew to do and and today as we were driving here we got a phone call first of all brother Gill's uh, phone rang and he said I don't recognize that number and before he could pick it up they disconnected well the next call was from some local authorities that were giving us some weigh-in on this issue that we're dealing with when we hung up his phone rang again he picked it up it was a, um, a lady from Texas we know her a pastor's wife we know her not real well and she said I was praying for y'all this morning God said to tell you what you're fighting is not a natural battle it's a spiritual battle leave it alone he's taking care of it we shouted all the way here I felt much lighter so we need to know is this a spiritual battle or is this a natural battle this rebellious child is this a natural thing that I need to say, okay, you're going to be in by 11 o'clock, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this? Or is this a spiritual battle that I can do all of that, but it's not the complete answer? I need to back it up by saying, I bind that spirit. I pray against that spirit. We need to know, what are we dealing with? Because I believe everything in the spiritual manifests itself in the natural. It's a parallel. So what's going on in our natural life is going on in the spiritual, vice versa. So we need to recognize, what is this that I'm facing? Because ladies, let's be honest, sometimes we can blow things out of proportion. And we can make things worse than that. I'm really great at that. I saw a little cartoon the other day. Y'all know Grumpy Cat? Have you seen that? And I won't get it exactly right, but he says, I've got 99 problems, and 98 of them are completely made-up scenarios that I've made up in my mind. I can worry with the best of them. So sometimes we do blow things out of proportion, and it's not that big a deal. It just is to us. So we need to completely and properly identify what it is we're going with, going through, because spiritual problems must be dealt with on a spiritual front. We must not confuse what the eye beholds with the ultimate reality. Sometimes we see what we think we see, and our mind believes it, and so we act on it. And that's not the reality. We've got to break the habit of taking the visible part for the whole. We need to pray about it. Sometimes the true problem is disguised in a situation. Did you know that fear manifests itself in shortness of breath, heart palpitations, chest pain, trembling, nausea, dizziness, fainting? Did you know that discouragement and depression comes in many forms? It can manifest itself in headaches, muscle aches, digestive problems, exhaustion, fatigue, and sleeping problems. But when we recognize that my problem is not that I'm not sleeping, I need to know the root of it. When we recognize that the root of the problem is fear, or the root of the problem is discouragement, or like I said a while ago, the root of the problem is actually rebellion, then we know our enemy. Then we know what we're fighting. That, that uh, length uh, that helps the nighttime not be so long. It's a waste of time when we only deal with the symptom. You know, if your child has a fever, you can put a cold wash rag on his head, and it might feel good to him. But if he's got an infection that's causing that fever, that washcloth's not going to do... Other, it, you're exactly right. It's just going to make him feel a little bit better. But that's treating a symptom. 
fever is the symptom of an infection. You need to get to the root of the problem. And you know, too many times we pray for relief when we should be praying for victory. We stand in a prayer line and we say, pray for me for, and we name our symptom, but we haven't identified the problem. So we say, we don't identify it as fear, so we come up and we say, uh, pray for me, I've been having some heart palpitations. And I've not taken the time to identify what is the root of that. Is it a health problem or is it fear? If it's fear, we need to pray against fear because we can pray against the heart palpitations all we want. It's just a symptom. The root's not been taken care of. We've got to identify it. We've got to identify it. Stop fighting your problem on a natural level and go after the spirit that's behind the circumstance. Have you ever found yourself in this um, situation? You're in a battle against sickness, oppression, or some other similar struggle. You seek God, and in some way, God touches you. He touches your life. Your victory comes, and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, my God delivered me. Raise your hand if you've ever been there. I know God delivered me. Okay. But then sometimes this happens. A few weeks, a few months, maybe even years later, all those symptoms come back. They return with a vengeance, it seems like. If you're struggling with an illness, maybe it manifests itself even worse than ever. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hands, but I'm sure some of you have been there. And those negative experiences can drain, can suck the very faith out of your heart. You lose that power, that, and it seems like a spiritual paralysis immobilizes you because you wonder, did I lose my breakthrough? Or was I ever, was I just deceiving myself? Was I never really delivered from it? It's very possible that what you're experiencing is not a loss of God's blessing, but it's an entirely new spiritual battle. The new war is a clever and effective deception that Satan uses to try to worm his way back into the lives of those that are delivered by God. Let me give you an example of this out of 2 Samuel chapter 21. Verse 15 says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbi Benab, isn't that a beautiful name, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. Okay, now this is uh, 2 Samuel chapter 21. Now we know that David killed Goliath back in chapter 17. So Goliath is dead. But evidently Goliath had descendants. And after defeating one, a giant once, here David is facing another giant that probably looked just like Goliath. We can imagine he talked like him. He probably fought like him. He probably wore the same armor like he did. He probably even smelled like him. And the text reads, David waxed faint. That literally reads, David became weary. David became weary. I wonder what his thoughts were. I wonder if he thought, I thought I killed you. What are you doing back? Goliath hadn't come back. Goliath was dead. He cut that giant's head off. It was the giant's children that appeared. It, it wasn't the same battle. It just looked like the same battle. The devil is sneaky. Now, he's not smart. He's a dum-dum. He uses the same old worn-out tricks over and over again. So if he comes against you with something once, 
you know what? Just know he's coming at me again with it. It's not the same battle. I got victory over that giant once. This is a different giant. Just because the, the current giant you're facing looks like the one you defeated in the past, don't buy the lie that you never really won the battle. You conquered him. That giant is dead. He's masquerading. Satan is masquerading as your former enemy so he can slip past your faith and try to regain entrance into your life. But you can resist him. The living God who helped you conquer Goliath will help you conquer this one. You can identify Satan and his wiles. You can tell him, you know what? I beat you at this once before. I beat you on this same battleground, and I will beat you again. I will defeat you, and I'm better armed this time, Satan, because I know your tricks. I know your tricks. A friend of ours was talking not too long ago, and I just love it, uh, the way he's, um, he's kind of a smart aleck guy. He's great. He's a pastor in Louisiana, but, you know, he just got us. And... Uh, But he was telling about, uh, he was in warfare, spiritual warfare one night, and he said he woke up and he knew there was a presence in the room. And, you know, a lot of times people will talk about, or, uh, people will tell you a story about, about it like that, and it's kind of like, Ooh. And he was talking about the, the corner, he saw him in the corner and how it was dark. And, and you know what he said? He said, oh, it's you, and went back to bed. <laughs> That's how we defeat the devil sometimes. Oh, it's you again. That's an old trick. You tried that on me before and it didn't work. I don't know what makes you think it's going to work this time. Identify. Identify. Identifying the problem is not a lack of faith. That's what my friend had a problem with. He, be he began in Bible school. He thought it was a lack of faith if you identified your problem. That's not speaking in uh, disbelief. We need to identify what it is. I need to know what I need help with. I need to know what I need to pray for. So identifying it is not a lack of faith. Uh, I read a book one time. I love to read. I read a book one time called From Good to Great. It's a business book. But uh, somebody said it's good. Who's read it? It's awesome, isn't it? Do you like that? I'm getting ready to talk about the prisoners of war. <laughs> she knows what I'm going to tell. Uh, this got caught in my spirit. They did a study of prisoners of war following the Vietnam War. And this study showed that the prisoners who survived were the ones who were able to realistically assess their condition while never losing hope that it would change. They were the ones that survived. In other words, those that denied their surroundings, those that would come into the prisoner of war camp and would say, oh, it's going to be over within a little bit. They're coming to get us. We're going to go home by Christmas. Then when Christmas would come and go, they'd lose hope, give up, and die. They couldn't realistically assess what was going on. Those who survived were the ones that said, I'm in a bad state now, but it's going to change. It's going to change. So, ladies, I learned a lesson from that. To me, that's a picture of faith. Faith doesn't deny our circumstances. So I can say I might be in the nighttime now, but faith maintains hope that the circumstance will change. It will change. Morning will come. That's number one, proper identification. I'm going to hurry. Number two is submission to the will of God. After we identify the problem, we've got to submit to God's will. Now, this is not sitting down, throwing up our hands and saying, oh, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. Might as well just sit here. It's maintaining steadfast faith. Submission to the will of God is entirely different than accepting whatever comes our way, thinking we have no control over it. Jesus prayed at Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. 
His flesh didn't want to go to Calvary. However, he was prepared to accept the will of God. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Submission to the will of God is praying in steadfast faith and accepting the answer. There's a song that says sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms his child. While you maintain steadfast faith that God will change your circumstance, you're also submitted to his will and ready to accept his plan for your life. My daughter, we were recently in Michigan camp, and my daughter taught a beautiful lesson at camp, uh, at that camp this year, and she compared the lives of Esther and Job. Both were in the will of God. Both lived their lives in service to God, but the paths God asked them to walk were very different. We know the stories. Esther, and I know she had some, some, hard, some hard places, but she pointed out that Esther spent a year in the king's court being pampered and bathed, perfumed, and fed delicacies, and she ended up being queen. Job lost everything he owned, his children, his cattle, his home, set in the dust scratching boils that covered him from head to foot. Did God love Esther more than Job? No. Was Esther in God's will and Job out of God's will? No. I believe it's the hardest to submit to the will of God when we do not understand it. Somebody said true submission begins where agreement ends. But God's ways are far above our ways. We see only in part. God knows the end from the beginning. He sees the whole picture. There's an old hymn that says, Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God will lead us to that blessed promise. I was reading that the other day, and I read, did a little bit of study on it. It was written by a man who was born and died a slave. He was beaten, mistreated, and hungry. He wrote, trials dark on every hand. We cannot understand all the ways that God will lead us to that blessed promised land. I don't understand the different paths God asks us to walk. But John Newton, he's, he wrote another hymn. He wrote Amazing Grace. He said, when you get to heaven, you will not complain about the way in the which the Lord brought you. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm going to ask the Lord. I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to be so thankful. I think it's not going to matter how I got there. I think it's not going to matter. You know, we read of the Apostle Paul's last arrest. He was held in jail for two years, and then he was being sent to Rome. And they put him on a ship, sailing him to run. And he was trying to tell them all along, we don't need to be doing this. Try. Of course, they wouldn't listen. He, uh, on the way to Rome, you all know the story. There was a shipwreck, and he landed on the island of Malta, where he was snake-bitten. He was eventually taken to Rome. He was under house arrest for another two years. And then, according to Jewish tradition, he was beheaded. Now, I'm sure during this time, there were a multitude of Christians praying for him. I'm sure they were praying for his release. I'm sure they were, uh, perhaps they were thinking, surely it can't be God's will for Paul to be in prison. Surely that can't be. That doesn't sound right, does it? And although it must have seemed to those saints that their prayers were not answered, we've got the Bible, we know the whole story. The whole island of Malta heard the message of salvation because he was in a shipwreck and got, a, got bitten by a snake. If he had been released earlier, would they have heard the gospel? While he was on house arrest in Rome, Paul was able to take the gospel message to the heart of the Roman Empire, where it spread like wildfire throughout the whole world. 
God had a purpose. God had a purpose. Sometimes what we see as an unanswered prayer is actually a life, even a world-changing event. We must submit. God, help me submit to your will even when I don't understand. Even when I don't understand. I may not understand why I walk this path, but I trust you, Lord. I trust you. That was number two, submission to the will of God. Two more to go. Number three is courage. We need courage in a nighttime season. We, get, we become dis discouraged whenever we start evaluating our negative circumstances based upon information supplied by our senses. That was a long sentence, but did you get me? When we believe what we think we see, or when we base a feeling on something we thought we heard, have you ever thought you heard something and you mistaken? Have you ever formed an opinion about somebody and later found out, ooh, I was wrong about them? Mm -hmm. Our human reasoning is flawed. We should never base our beliefs on our limited knowledge. Our emotions will follow, my emotions follow my thoughts. Your emotions will follow your thoughts. If you think on things that are depressing, your emotions are going to follow suit. Someone said, be careful how you talk to yourself because you're listening. The scripture said the power of life and death is in the tongue. It also said the word of faith is nigh thee. It is even in your mouth. You know, we, we think about that sometimes as speaking the word of God. When we also, the, when we, on the converse side, when we speak negative things, that is a negative type of faith, if you want to put it that way. The power of life and death, sometimes we kill our own blessings just because we don't keep our mouth shut. Or maybe that's just me. But there are times that we become so clouded over emotionally that we don't know what to think. Have you ever been there? In that nighttime season, it seems like your, your thoughts swirl. That's when we go back to the Word of God. What does God say? I can stand on it. Read His Word. Memorize His Word. Write it out. Post it on your walls. Carry it with you. The Word of God is life. The Word of God is life. We have a, a lady that we're uh, connected to whose granddaughter several years ago uh, was diagnosed with a rare nerve disease of the leg. And so um, it's her granddaughter. She began doing research on the disease. She read everything she could get her hands on. She Googled it. You shouldn't Google stuff, guys. She, Goog <laughs> she Googled it. She searched WebMD. My son-in-law is the biggest nerd. We love him so much. He's the biggest nerd. And he's all about WebMD. And my daughter was in the emergency room one time. And it was so funny because he was just being sincere. He Googled all this stuff, WebMD'd it. And uh, the doctor would say this. And he'd say, yes, I agree. And the doctor would say something, and Timothy said, yes, I agree. And I was like, where'd you get your degree? But she began, she began doing that. She Googled it. She went on WebMD. She searched anything. She talked to anybody that she could talk to about it. She began searching it about this disease. And every time I saw her, she'd give me a medical update. But her updates were always negative. The percentage of people crippled from the disease. The likelihood of there being no cure the percentage of the people who died from the disease, how bad it was probably going to get. And as I watched her family, we prayed over them, we spoke life to them, they became more and more discouraged. And even though we were speaking life into them, they were speaking their own discouragement. And my question is, if she would have spent as much time researching the healing ability of the Almighty God, what would have happened to her level of faith? 
She could quote me facts and figures about the disease. What about testimonies of healing? What about scriptures? What about scriptures dealing with he healing? The antidote is to form our opinion of life based on the promises and goodness of God. Now, this doesn't mean that we become oblivious to the season that we're in. After all, we've properly identified this situation. But it does mean that in spite of it, I stand and put my faith in God. For instance, I may be fighting a health issue, but I say, I serve a God who is a healer. I say, for I will restore health unto thee, Jeremiah 30. I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. When you do that, that gives you courage. I may feel sometimes like I have no strength left in my body. And then I turn over to Isaiah and I read, Has thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, he's neither weary, there is no searching of his understanding, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Knowing that gives me courage to face my day. Maybe my mind is frazzled and I feel like I can't find any peace. Then I quote, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth thee. And that gives me courage, because I can't base my circumstances on what I think or what I feel when I'm in this nighttime season. I have to base it on the Word of God. What does God say? What does God say? Discouragement comes when we only look at our circumstances without looking to the faithfulness and the integrity of what God has promised. What God has promised. One of the Psalms that David penned, Psalm 27, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do you know that when he penned that, he was hiding in a cave and running for his life from Saul? A victorious mindset doesn't always have to do with victory. He didn't write a psalm about killing Goliath. He wrote a psalm about victory when he was running for his life. Courage is not self-confidence, but it's assurance in God's ability to take care of me. Courage. And lastly, number four, thank you for bearing with me. I hope I'm helping somebody. Number four is unwavering perseverance. Unwavering perseverance. Consider the word persevere. That's not a very pretty word, is it? Its meaning is rooted in the word severe. It implies that there's times that we're going to be stretched in ways that people may call severe or extreme. We're women. We don't go one mile. We go two, don't we? We contend for the faith as Christians. We wrestle against principalities and powers. We aren't wimps. We don't give up. We're soldiers. We endure hardship. And even if we're knocked down, we know that defeat is not final. We rise to fight another day. Surrender is not an option. We're women, and we know how to fight. Amen? A mama bear in the wild protecting her cubs doesn't have a thing on a spiritual mama praying for her lost kids. We will do whatever it takes to see them saved. When my son, he's 17 now, and uh, he's preaching, called into the ministry at the age of 14. I'm just so proud of him every night since he's been born in this world I've he's gone to sleep hearing me say you're a world changer you're a world changer you're gonna do great things for God but when he was little I took him to the prayer room with me and uh, one night I come out and bless his heart you know I'm talking about when he was five and six and it just wasn't fun he just it, he you know 
And I come out one night, he was by the water fountain. I saw him, I said, David, come back to the prayer room. He said, Mom, I done been back there three times. I said, well, we're going a fourth time. We do what it takes, don't, don't we? We don't give up. We don't give up. Our success comes from our faith in God. So we pray and we apply ourselves in a great many ways, spiritually speaking. But underlying all of our under, other virtues, there needs to exist in us an inherent perseverance of spirit. We need to be tenacious, unwavering perseverance. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Keep going. I don't know how my story here on earth is going to end, but nowhere in my story will it ever read she gave up. I refuse to give up. Your present situation, if you're in a nighttime season, I want to remind you that your present situation is not your final destination unless you stop. If you stop, you're stuck there. But as long as you keep walking, you're not, that's not your destination. Do you know somebody tonight that's weary in her battle? Maybe yourself. Are you yourself weary? Sometimes the enemy of our soul drags out a battle, trying to daily steal our joy, steal our strength. And sometimes we um, go through a, a season and we may not even realize how much we've lost. Have you ever looked back sometimes and realized, oh, I used to, I used to. Or have you ever... Uh, come through a season and had your joy restored and realized I didn't realize I had lost so much joy until it was restored. There are occasions that Satan does that to us and we sometimes he persists until we wear out and we give up and we quit praying. Sometimes we lose patience and eventually we just seek relief rather than victory. This is where perseverance comes in. So whatever your battle whether you're praying for this country, whether you're standing for your children, whether your cry is for the lost, or for, it's for yourself. Let me remind you of the words of Paul in Galatians. He said, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. If we faint not, if we faint not, we must persevere. We must persevere because we can make it. Ladies, you can make it. You can make it in a nighttime season. You can make it through. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I'm here to tell somebody it's almost morning time. I believe I can see some light, and it's almost morning time for you. I believe a new day is dawning for you. I believe a new day is dawning for you. Can we gather up to the front? I want to say a last thing, but I want us to gather up around around here. I'm going to get away from my nose and you can help me remember what I'm going to say. Come on in close. One thing I love about ladies' meetings is that it's just ladies. <clears throat> each other don't we we need each other come on in close we need each other other ladies know what you're going through we need I love to see a church like this this reminds me of our church we pastor a church in Indiana and it's one of the oldest apostolic churches in that state this year's our 102nd anniversary 
we were telling a little uh, little girl that not too long ago said my husband announced it from the platform said that this year we'll celebrate 102 years and that little girl looked up at her mom and said he doesn't look that old <laughs> we hadn't been there that whole time but the wonderful thing about a church that has generations that has I'm not calling anybody old I'm not calling anybody young but that has all the generations represented is we need all these generations going hand in hand running this race together because the older generation has got wisdom the older generation has paid some prices that the younger generations won't have to pay if we'll listen they've got wisdom but we've got to get it and we've got to listen and receive it but that older generation thank you sister mcgee you have paid you've paved some roads that we won't have to because of what you did, I won't have to fight some battles because of what she did. And then you've got that middle generation. I'm not telling y'all where y'all are, but I'm saying that middle generation. The middle generation has got the resources. They've got some energy. They've got jobs. When I say resources, I'm talking about time and money. They've got some resources. It is up to the middle generation to get that older generation's wisdom and you're the link, middle generation. You pass it to that young generation. That young generation's got the zeal. So that older generation brings down this wisdom. This middle generation says, I know how we're going to do that. We're the vision casters. Joel said, your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. If you, look, if you study that out, that word dream dreams, it means to prophesy. Our older generation prophesies. They tell us who we are. They tell us where we're going. They say, here's what I see in you. Here, you can make it. You can make it. I've been there. So they prophesy to us. This middle generation, we're the vision casters. The middle generation is. We've got the time, the resources, and we say, here's how we're going to carry out. This is the prophecy that's come forward. Here's how we're going to carry it out. And then we got the young ones that come up behind us, and we say, okay, here's what you guys are going to do. You've got the zeal. You run. You run with it. So I love a generational church because... It's, it's just perfect for the body of Christ. Y'all are so blessed. I want to remind you of a scripture, and we're going to pray together. I want to remind you of scripture in Isaiah. It says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you see that progression there? He's talking about flying. He's talking about running. And he's talking about walking. To me, that's the perfect scripture for speaking about being in a nighttime season. There are times in your life that you're like that eagle. You're flying, you're soaring. We're not I'm not even touching the ground. I'm I'm living on top of the mountain. I'm in victory. Everything's going great. I am soaring. Have you ever seen a, a video perhaps or even if you've been privileged to see an eagle, a video of an eagle, it will scream and and dive down and grab a huge fish or an animal and dive. eagles when you're soaring when you're at that degree when you're in that season of your life and you're experiencing that level of victory that's when you need to soar down to another sister that is not up there with you and say i'm going to help you carry your load i'm going to carry it for you you can't you're not flying right now i'm gonna carry you i'm gonna and that's what we do in a generational church and then that next level we're talking about flying then the next level says they shall run and not be weary now these people our feet are on the ground we're not soaring high in the mountains. We're not seeing angels, but we're running, so we're doing good. We've got it. You're a runner, aren't you? I am. 
these runners tell stuff that I don't know. They talk about this runner's high. I have never found a run. I think it's because I've never really run. <laughs> but runners amaze me. They talk about, we've got a lady in our church that does it. She says you get this, um, this high, and it's just like you feel like you can go forever. It's endorphins. When we're running, when you're in that season of your life, and you're running, you've got strength. Again, you're not soaring, but you're running, you've got strength. Now, you might not be able to go to your sister and pick her up, but you can run along beside her, and you can shout words of encouragement and say, come on, we're going to make it. Let's go, all of us together. And then sometime when we're in that night season, we're in that other phase that says, shall walk and not faint. Have you ever been in that place where you were? it was all you could do to put one foot in front of the other and not faint? I don't know what season you're in. I don't know if you're flying. I don't know if you're running. I don't know if you're just dragging your carcass into church and just glad you're here without fainting. I don't know what season you're in. We've all been in one, all three of them at a time or another. But in a church like this, you are so blessed with this ladies' group and this leadership. I want y'all to join arms, and we're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray strength. We're going to pray encouragement. And those that are walking, those that are in their nighttime season, we're going to pray special strength on them tonight. Can you, can you join arms with your lady next to you, and let's pray. Oh, Jesus, I bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.